Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews podcast. We're going to be talking about matches from Friday, March 26th through Thursday, April 1st. Fool's Day. And, well, the joke is going to be on that day. None of the matches that we happen to pick for this week are uh, from that date on the calendar. In any case, our podcast name may be long, but it does tell you for the most part just what it is we do here. Team Noob searches the world high and low, looking for the most important matches being played anywhere. And it's as we define that, which is different than most podcasts. Sure, we'll hit matches from the biggest leagues and the biggest tournaments in the most important soccer countries, but we are just as likely to look at one versus two matchups or uh, big important FA Cup tournaments or other events from any country in the world, no matter how small, in fact. If it's important where it's happening and it's domestic top flight teams for the most part, we are going to be mini previewing it. We're going to get a lot of learning in. A fair helping of silliness, to be perfectly honest. And so, with no more ado, let's dive into... March number one! We like to keep things chronological here at Team Noob, so our first two matches are going to be Friday matches. This one is taking us to Africa, Algeria specifically. Their top flight is called the Ligue Professionale 1. It is the number five rated league in all Africa, down one from a year ago. They got passed by the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Still, for being in the top 12, they get two Champions League berths and one Confederation Cup berth. That is uh, Africa's version of the Europa League. Your matchup, number one, J.S. Salra, taking on number B, E.S. Setif. Uh, Salra leading the table by three. Setif are tied with FC Oran. Now, I've uh, said before that there's probably not a better race in the world for the title than in uh, Colombia, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the recap. This one might be just as good. There are five teams that all have between 30 and 36 points in the table. So it is just going to be an absolute uh, breathtaking race to get to the finish. Season's about halfway through right now. A little bit about each of our combatants. Salra, they are known as the Eagles, founded in just 2008 and only just promoted to the top flight in 2012. Uh, the little town that they're from, which I think is less than a thousand people, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. It's Meridia or Meridia, or the J might even be entirely silent. But in any case, it is a town that is in the second least densely populated province in the entirety of Algeria. The whole province only has about a quarter million people. Uh, the west-northwest portion, uh, portion, excuse me, is largely uninhabitable, except in the Sora Valley, and that's where this club is, as you might imagine. They've never won the league domestically. They do have two runners-up finishes, which means they've been to the Champions League twice, and they actually got as far as the group stage in 2018 and 19. Last year, they didn't go anywhere, though, finishing just number six. Uh, this year, it sure looks like they're going somewhere, of course, since they're number one, and that is what their offense is ranked. The defense is maybe only a little bit above average. So the scoring, who should we look for it from? League number one scorer, Bilal Masodi is the most likely source. He is a midfielder, just 23 years old. So far, this is the only club he's played for in his senior career. Coming to town, trying to get the win. E.S. Setif. They are also the Eagles, but more specifically, the Black Eagles, so as to be more intimidating, presumably. Uh, Setif is in the northeast part of the country, a city of about 800,000. The name comes from uh, the Berber language. It means uh, Black Lands. I don't know if it's still as fertile as it once was, but that's your etymology there. They have won the Champions League, actually, two different times, and most recently in 2014. 
eight league titles to their credit. Most recent one was in 2016-17. Last year, they finished number three, so they're looking to improve on that once again. And this is your odds-on bet team, I believe, to win the league. They've got the second-best offense and then the number one defense. That's where their bread gets buttered. They let in less than a goal on average every other match. Still, the offense, who can we look for in the box score? Tied for number two in the league in scoring is Mohamed Elamin Amora, and he is just 20 years old, a midfielder. Two pro seasons is all he's got under his belt, and he spent them both with Satif. Match number B. So what's the deal with number B, in case you're new? Well, that's how we do things here, every single podcast. Remember new bites. Number two is bathroom talk. Stay classy, San Diego. Number B is the way to go. Now, that all said, our second match takes us to Qatar for the Stars League Cup. Now, there's no international tournament berth on the line with this. Just pride and a really nice, tall, golden trophy. So shiny, so glorious. Wherever there are trophies on the line, it doesn't matter whether it's a big league or a small league. You will tend to find Noob if there are top flight teams there as well. Now, only the first division teams play in this event. Uh, the teams in this final are uh, Osalaya and they're taking on Al Rayon. They're going to play this at a neutral site there in the capital city of Doha. Uh, first, Salaya, a uh, really neat mascot. They are the Peregrines, presumably uh, the Falcons. Now, this year in their league, uh, they are only number eight of the 12 teams, so having a below-average season there. Now, the season is almost done as well, and there's no chance they're going to be relegated or go to Champions League, so nothing They've got no reason to rest any players, which I think could be key for this match. They won the Stars League in 2018-19 and then lost in the 2020 Champions League playoff round. So they do have some recent success on their side. Now, uh, they've got, uh, they're have got they kind of working a below-average offense and defense right now. Their scoring leader, guy to look for, is Mohanad Ali from Iraq. He's a forward, and he's only 20 years old. He's actually uh, with this club on loan from the second best team in the league, at least according to the table right now, all to hail. Uh, European footy fans might recognize him as Portugal had the rights to him last year, uh, specifically uh, Port Portimoense, uh, but they loaned him out as well. Uh, in the past, he's already been linked with clubs like uh, Juventus as, as well as several Turkish clubs. So expect him to move on to Europe probably within the next season or two. Now, other side of the ball, El Rayan, they are the Lions been seeing a lot of Lions. They've won at least uh, eight league titles from what I've been able to find. Uh, most recent one appears to have been in 2015-16. They've been to the Champions League four different times, but never really advanced very far. Uh, they've won this event, though, the Stars League Cup, four times, which is the most times of any, uh, any club in the country. They're currently sitting at number three in the league table. They're not going to be able to catch the second best team. And they're in a tight race with the other three clubs for third place and the last Champions League berth. Again, just with two or three matches to go. So are they going to bother playing their starting lineup in this event uh, with the Cup Trophy at stake? Or are they going to rest their starters, save their energies for the tail end of the league season? I think that they're going to do the latter. In any case, in league, their strength has been on defense. They've got second best in that category. Their offense is headed by number five league-leading scorer, Johan Boli. He's a forward from the Ivory Coast. Belgian footy fans have a chance at least to recognize his name as uh, he spent the last five seasons before this year playing for St. Truiden. Match number three. This is our first Saturday match, and it takes us back to Africa, to Benin for their Premier League, or if you prefer the French, Championnat National. They are ranked smack dab in the middle of the CAF league rankings at number 27, and they are new to those rankings, so congratulations to them. 
what that means is, uh, unlike some associations, the CAF doesn't rank all of their country's league association top flights, only the top uh, 31 or 32, if memory serves. In any case, this league season, in the first phase, there are only three more matches before the top four from every group will go on to the championship round, and the bottom four or five will go on to the relegation round. I phrase that that way because Benin's league is huge. There are two groups of eight and two groups of nine. There are no subdivisions, no promotion or relegation between them. There's another league below them for that. It is simply gargantuan at 34 teams. A little bit about the country, Benin, a tropical climate in the western part of Africa. Most of the population lives in a very narrow strip of land called the Bight of uh, Benin, a very uh, narrow area, a strip of land along the Atlantic, and it's west of Nigeria, if that helps you on the African map to visualize. In any case, our matchup, number one, Rakyan versus number two, A.S. Kotanu. Uh, let's see, they're in group nine, and that is one of the ones that has nine teams. And Rakyan lead by uh, lead ASC by two points in the table. A little bit about each. Rakyan. From now on, because my French stinks, I'm going to call them the Sharks. That's what it means. Uh, Rakyan de Atlantique. I studied Spanish in school. To be honest, I probably wasn't much better with that. In any case, uh, they are the Atlantic Sharks. Uh, Kotonu is a city of about 2.5 million people. It is the economic uh, capital of the country. Porto Novo is the official capital, but I think most folks would probably say that, uh, functionally speaking, Kotonu is. And it's a very strange translation. I don't know why, but it means river of death in one of the local languages, the Fon, F-O-N language. Uh, let's see. They are 11 up on number five police in the table in their group. So mathematically, they have already made the championship round. But that doesn't necessarily guarantee them victory for this particular day. In fact, a chink in the armor, they just lost at number six ASPAC in their group. And they've played one more match than the whole rest of the league. So there's no guarantee that they're going to hang on to that number one spot. They have three league titles to their name, but they haven't won it since 1990. Pretty good on defense, but it's a pretty tight group, to be perfectly honest. But they have the number one offense working for them. On the other side of the ball, A.S. Kotonu, same city. They even play in the same stadium. They've won the league before. But you've got to go all the way back to 1971 to find out just when. In fact, I think that they uh, had spent some time in the second division just within the last five years. So they're doing very well right now compared to that. And they have not lost in their last five games. So all the momentum seems to be on their side. Very average on defense. Number two on offense. It would really seem like this match is headed for a shootout. Match number four. We're off to India for an I-League match. Country of India is really fascinating for its football because they have two leagues that are considered co-premier, if you will, and they don't, other than teams sometimes switching back and forth, they don't have any in-season relationship. This one is the I-League. This is the one with promotion relegation with a lower division. Then there's also the S-League, which is more set up on the Major League Soccer model of franchising. They're just trying to promote the sport nationwide with that one, and none of the teams there are ever in danger of getting relegated anywhere. In any case, I think the I-League, the one we're going to talk about today, is considered just a little bit lesser, at the very least by the AFC, because if, and this could be a big if, my information is right, the winner of this one only goes to the AFC Cup, sort of a secondary tournament, not the Champions League in Asia. They do get to go at least through to the group stage for that AFC Cup, at least, the Champions. 
Where are they in this season? Well, they've played their single round robin all the way through. Now they're in the championship round where they play another single round robin, but just with each half of the league playing the other teams in their half. And there are only two matches to go in that phase. So it's getting down to the nitty gritty. We have number one, Gaukulam FC taking on number B, TRAU. They are tied in points on the table. They are tied on goal differential. And another club, Churchill Brothers, that has seven less on goal differential, also has the same number of points. So just another wonderful race coming down to the wire. A little bit about each. Let's see, uh, Gokulam, I want to make sure that I remember the pronunciation. They won the first match between these two on the road, one to three. They are known as the Malabrians. They're from the state of Kerala in the southwest part of the country. Uh, if you imagine the monsoon season when it hits India, that's the area where it gets hit the hardest, the Malabar Coast, wettest area in the country. Uh, they're from specifically a town, and I've got to get this pronunciation right because there's no R in the name, Kozhikode, K-O-Z-H-I-K-O-D-E, at least Latinized, Kozhikode, city of about 2 million people, kind of fun, historically known as the City of Spices because it was a huge trading post. And then uh, more modernly, the City of Sculptures. Uh, this is a very, very affluent part of the country in the city proper. And so there's just a lot of sculptures all over the city, particularly in corporate and industrial parks, from what I gather. Service center economy, uh, IT is really huge there. It's the second biggest city, I believe, in uh, the country for uh, like investments and just overall economy and adding to the GDP. In any case, really cool crest, very colorful, and it incorporates themes from, and I'll probably get this pronunciation wrong, because I couldn't find it, Tham, T-H-E-Y-Y-A-M. Um, this is a lower caste ritual form of dance and worship that is supposed to create a direct connection to the God, uh, they believe, with whom they are speaking. Just very colorful and very cool. As far as the footy, they were in fifth place last year when the season got canceled. They were on their way to the best finish they've ever had. They finished in fourth place in the first phase, so they have improved on that, specifically by going undefeated. They are 3-1-0 here in the championship round. Defense has been okay, but it's the offense that's been carrying them, uh, largely at the feet of tied for number two league scorer, a Nigerian forward named Denny Antwi. Uh, he's played all over the world uh, in Europe. You might know him if you follow the northern countries. He played for some clubs in uh, Sweden and uh, Norway. This is actually his first year for any club in India. Also tied for number one on assists, homegrown guy, a center back. I love it when the defenders get in on the offense a whole bunch. Deepak Devrani. And then statistically, they've got the guy who's tied for number three in goalkeeping, Ubaid Kadavath. Other side of the ball, T-R-A-U. They are from the city of Imphal in Manipur, which is the far northeast state of the country. If you imagine what you think of as India proper, and then there's two corners of pieces of things in the map that touch each other geographically, that state that's off to the northeast that's barely attached, that's Manipur where Imphal is. Got about a half a million people. Uh, they are known as the Red Pythons, and they won the 2017-18 second division to get promoted here. They were in sixth place last year when the season was abandoned. They finished number five in the first place. So just like their counterparts today, they have been on quite a run. And it's largely because they have the number one league scorer in Bidyashagar Singh, a forward just 23 years of age. Match number five. Our next Saturday match takes us to the LPF of Panama. It's considered in CONCACAF to be the number five rated league. They're about halfway through the Apertura stage there. Now, for newer fans like me, most or all Latin American countries, 
divide their season, their soccer year, I should say, into two distinctly different seasons, an Apertura stage and a Clausura stage, opening and closing. They're about halfway through the opening stage right now in Panama. Now, the league is divided into Eastern and Western geographic groups for the regular season. The group winners will get to go to the playoffs and advance immediately to the semifinals. The second and third place teams from each of those groups will also go to the playoffs, but have to start around further back. Now, in terms of how the league dispenses its international berths, the two stage champions will get to go on to the CONCACAF League group stage. As well, so will the team that has the best overall record between the two stages, but that didn't happen to win either of the two stages. And a reminder, the CONCACAF League is not the CONCACAF Champions League. It is a feeder tournament that grants five or six teams entry annually into the CONCACAF Champions League. All right, got that out of the way. Your matchup, number B, Plaza Amador, taking on number one, Universitario. Going to be a whale of a match. Both are undefeated. First, Plaza Amador, they are the Lions, because it seems like every other team for the last two weeks has been the Lions. They are from uh, Panama City, specifically a southwest district called El Chirillo. They lead Toro by two in the table. They have six league titles to their credit historically. They haven't won anything since uh, 2016, uh, the Apertura stage. And that was the only time that they ever got to go to the CONCACAF Champions League. They made the group stage the following year. They are number one in the East group here in the regular season. They have the number one offense and defense in the group, but the offense isn't all that great. It's tied for number four overall. What they do get tends to come at the feet of Roberto Denelis. He's our man to watch. He is an attacker. Uh, I believe he spent his entire career within uh, Central America. Best club he's probably played for, Costa Rican side Santos de Guapiles. And we have an American connection. They are managed by a USA fellow named Mike Stump. On the other side of the ball, Universitario. Uh, this team in its present form formed in 2018. Uh, FC Chirillo, I believe, and two other clubs merged to form it. And then they moved uh, what was the biggest of those three teams to uh, Pinonome, which is in the central part of Panama City. Uh, the oldest, biggest club that was part of that formation actually has history going all the way back to 1974. Their crest is super interesting. It's not an official nickname, but they have a very, very large, prominent phoenix on it. This emblem uh, is in specific reference to the recovery of the city from the U.S. ouster of Noriega and all the damage that was done during uh, 1990s uh, Operation Just Cause. In any case, the footy. Three league titles to their credit. They last won a trophy, the Apertura, in 2017. They are number one this year in the West group, and they have the most points overall. They have the best overall offense in the entire league. No one else is even close, to be perfectly honest. They score almost three goals a match. And then they have tied for the number one defense in their group. But just like on the other side, it's really very tight when it comes to the defense. Number one league-leading score by twice as many goals as anybody else on this team, Shail Katui, I'm going to pronounce it, C-A-T-U-Y. I couldn't find the pronunciation for that attacker's name. And we have another USA connection. Can't tell you a lot about them, but they do have a defender named Taylor Rice from our side of the border. Ah, yes, the three kitten mew sounder from Persinoob could only possibly ever mean one thing, that it's time to take a break from our current tracking of the coming week's matches and do what we purport to do in the name, and that's actually track. So, let's recap results from this past week's tracked matches. 
Match number one was a Friday match. It came out of the Moldovan National Division. Number one, FC Sheriff took on number BCS Petrokub, and it was a nil-nil draw, so they maintained their league positions. Match number B was from Romania's League One. Number B, FCSB took on number one, Cluj. They were tied on points in the table. Well, you've got your new number one now. FCSB won 3-0. Part of what helped their cause was that Cluj had somebody sent off for a straight red card to the 41st minute. Person that we said to look out for, Tanase, had a goal and an assist. And another guy who was on our watch list, so to speak, Moritan, he also scored in the match. Match number three, we went to Hong Kong. Number one, Kitchi, taking on number B, Eastern, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Person on our watch list named uh, Dunjanovic for Kitschy had uh, the goal. Then we went to Saturday, match number four to Costa Rica's Liga FPD. Number one, Alajuense taking on number B, Santos de Guapiles. The result was a 1-1 draw. Match number five was supposed to be out of the Honduran uh, National League, but that got postponed. Sunday, match number six, we went to Colombia for what's got to be about the tightest race in the world because get a load of this. Number B, Deportivo Cali took on number one, Tolima, and the result was a nil-nil draw. Now, admittedly, there have been a couple other games that have moved people around, but as of Thursday, they are in a three-way tie now for fourth through sixth place. Now, Tolima do have a match in hand against uh, several of the teams that are ahead of them, but that just goes to show you when just about the whole top half of the table is within one win of each other that it's just going to be an amazing finish in Colombia. Match number seven, the Moroccan Botola Pro. Their top flight was a Casablanca Derby. Wydad Casablanca, number B in the table, taking on number one, Raja Casablanca, and it was the home team, Wydad, winning 2-0. Person on our watch list, Ayub El Amiod, scored the first goal. So now, Wydad are number one, and Raja have slipped down into number B. They traded positions. Match number eight was the final from the New Zealand Premier League. This was from their playoff. Number one from the regular season was Auckland City. Number two was, or excuse me, number B was Team Wellington. And the result in a shootout, Wellington pulling the upset two to four. And largely thanks to a gentleman named Andy Bevan for Wellington, who had a brace. Match number nine, just two matches to go in the Solomon Islands S League. We had number one Henderson Eels taking on number B Solomon Warriors. To have any mathematical shot at the league title, Solomon Warriors had to have this match. And they came out knowing it. They walloped the home side nil three. So they now still trail Henderson by one. Henderson get a win in their last match. There's nothing else that could be done for it. Wednesday was our 10th and final official match. We went to the AFCON qualifying tournament. Ethiopia hosting Madagascar. Group K, it was an amazing race. It, well, still is. Ivory Coast has seven points. Madagascar had seven and Ethiopia had six. And here's how things stand now. Ethiopia won the match against Madagascar 4-0. And by the way, person on our watch list, Shimales Bekele, got on the board with the fourth and final goal of the match. So now, Ethiopia lead by two, but here's the thing. It's still very close, obviously, all the way around. Ivory Coast still have two matches to play. Ethiopia only has one left, so two chances for them to catch up. Madagascar, for their final match, have the luxury of facing, uh, at home, unranked Niger, whereas Ethiopia's last match will be at Ivory Coast. So uh, the smart money is still against Ethiopia for being able to advance, but maybe Madagascar can get the... Uh, 
uh, unlucky and end up with a nil-nil or a 1-1 draw or something against Niger, in which case that's the most likely scenario, I believe, in which Ethiopia would advance. Then we came to our bonus matches. Our route of the week was a Tuesday match in the Liga MX Femenile. Number one, Tigres, UANL, took on number 18 in last place, Juarez. And unsurprisingly, Tigres were a 3-0 winner. Our most meaningless match in the world, these bonus matches will become clear at the end of the podcast because we do more of them every week. Don't you worry, New Bites. Was a Saturday match in Spain's women's premier division. Nothing to do with it being women. We're just looking at teams and where they are in the standings. Trust me, it'll all get explained later. Number 10, Athletic Bilbao taking on number 9, Valencia. Bilbao won the match 2-0, and so they switched places in the table. And finally, our match of disappointed was in uh, just a group-only match of Disappointed on Sunday in Benin. Number 8, Taneka, taking on number 7, Dynamique Jogu. And the result was a 3 nothing route for Taneka. Maybe they've got a little life in them yet. They move all the way up to number 7 in the group, and uh, Dynamique slip at least one notch. And that is a recap for last week's episode 25, 10 to track bonus matches. Now let's get back into the current week's tracking with... Match number six. We're off to the Oceania Football Confederation for this one. The league's been postponed for a while, and I've been looking forward to it because the last time I followed it, boy, they don't play a lick of defense anywhere on these islands. We're headed to Tahiti, their League One. I believe it's considered the number four league, at least by a site that I really, really like to use called Kick Algorithms. Uh, their league is uh, should be rated behind uh, New Zealand, New Caledonia, and then they're really close to the Solomon Islands, and there's a pretty big gap between them and the coefficients and the next best group, uh, Vanatu. In any case, due to them being so well thought of, they get two OFC Champions League berths every year. I think they're just over halfway through the season. Another thing outside of the no defense um, for this league that makes it uh, fairly unique is this is one of a handful of leagues in the world where a win is worth four points in the table, not three. And then a draw is worth two. And then if you even bother to field a team, which isn't a guarantee in Tahiti for some reason that you're even going to bother to show up. If you even show up and lose, no matter what the score is, you get one point. Your matchup, number B, P-Ray, I believe it's pronounced P-I-R-A-E versus number one A-S Dragon. Dragon lead in the table by one. P-Ray lead the third best club by two points in the table. And then the fourth best team in the table, they've got a game in hand and are fairly close. So we're looking at leagues with a bunch of really close races going on. I I love that these matches are paramount. P-Ray is a suburb of about 15,000 in the French Polynesian capital of Papite. And just to give a little perspective compared to, say, larger European uh, stadiums or whatever you want to compare to, Stade Peter Pater seats 11,000. This club, they've got nine league titles to their credit. That includes last year's uh, shortened season. In 2006, they made the finals of what was then called the Oceania Club Championship. It's the Champions League now. Uh, since moving the or changing the name, I should say, to the Champions League, in 2013-14, they had their best finish. They made the semifinals. Now, just recently, how are they doing? They lost to number three. I'm going to not even try to pronounce it. P-U-E-U is the uh, spelling in the name of the club two matches ago. And then they bounced back against mid-table Mana Ura. They have got the number one offense by far. Remember I said they don't play defense? Yeah, they score almost five and a half a match, and that's not exactly an outlier in this league by tons and tons. They've also got the second best defense, if you can even use that word, in Tahiti. 
Meanwhile, Dragon, they are from Papete proper, and they play in the same stadium. I don't know if the entire league is semi-professional or not, but I know that AS Dragon considers itself semi-pro and gives its players some sort of stipend at the very least. Um, in 2018, so a little bit more recently, they made the OFC Champions League semifinal in their confederation. They have three league titles to their name. They most recently won it in 2016-17. Uh, last year, a little bit closer to mid-table, they finished in fourth. This year, they are undefeated, and that is largely by virtue of their defense. Nothing wrong with the offense, always the case on Tahiti, but they're one of the few clubs that seem to put any effort into their net minding. They have only allowed seven goals in their 12 matches. Match number seven. This is our first and only Sunday match, and it's international friendly. Northern Ireland being kind enough to play host to the USA men's national team. The match, you can watch it easily here stateside on Fox at 12.05 p.m. If you prefer a Spanish-language broadcast, TUDN, which used to be Univision Deportes, I believe, will be carrying it as well. Now, a lot of podcasts are going to give you a lot of information, very, very deep dives on the USMNT. I am not just a character. Noob is my life, and I don't pretend to be able to tell you any more than a lot of other shows you're probably already listening to about the men's senior team. But I'm going to guess that most or all of them don't give very much focus to their opponents ever for these friendlies. So let's at least do a little bit of a dive, a mini preview, into Northern Ireland's squad. Well, first of all, they are playing host at the lovely Windsor Park. Uh, it's a really interesting scenario there because most of the time in these uh, smaller countries, whether it's in Europe or other parts of the world, uh, the FA or some big company will own the stadium and multiple teams as well as the national team might be playing there. It's kind of flipped around in Northern Ireland. Windsor Park gets used by the national team, but they have to rent it. It's actually owned by a very good club team called Linfield FC, so they've got to rent it. Just interesting side note. In any case, both the team and the supporters are known as the Green and White Army. Uh, their national team is uh, tied for ranking at number 23 in UEFA and uh, 42 overall in FIFA. That's as opposed to the USA. They're ranked number 22 by FIFA currently. Uh, internationally, how have they done in recent history? Well, Northern Ireland's team reached the round of 16 in the 2016 European Championships, and that was the first time they ever made it there, in fact. They've been to the World Cup before. It's been a long time, but they made the quarterfinals in 1958 and in 1982. And in fact, when they made it in 1958, they were the smallest uh, country team to ever go there all the way up until Trinidad and Tobago did it in 2006. 2020, they played eight friendlies and they, uh, well, friendlies and nation leagues mashes. And they went 0-3 and 5 on the year. Uh, they had absolutely no clean sheets, and they never scored more than two goals. Just not a very strong team, to be perfectly honest. Hopefully still a good one for the U.S. to cut their teeth against. They just lost within the last couple days to Italy, I believe nil two. Players to look for. If you're watching this game on Fox or at a box score after the fact, Goalkeeper Bailey Peacock Farrell, just 24 years old. Uh, he's bounced around quite a bit. He's mainly known probably for the time he spent starting in 2015 16 and probably 17 with Leeds. He was with them in 2019, but he had lost his starting position. Uh, right now he's with Burnley. He's been with the Northern Irish national team since 2018. And he's one of these interesting cases where he's actually not from Northern Ireland. He was born in Darlington, England, but he's got a grandfather from Northern Ireland, and that qualifies as good enough under FIFA rules. And then the main man to watch for, probably uh, 
maybe arguably, but let's call him the greatest Northern Irish player of all time, Stephen Davis. He's a midfielder, currently plays with Rangers in Scotland. This is his third time with them. Uh, he started out his senior career with Aston Villa. He was sold on to Fulham. Uh, Rangers had him when they got liquidated in 2012, and so he got his contract rescinded, and then he went to Southampton. So he's been all over the top divisions in England, and he's the most capped player in the history of uh, Northern Ireland. Now, what are they preparing for? World Cup qualification in their group. I think this is doable for them, potentially. So it will be interesting to watch both sides, how they're doing in this friendly. Now, Italy's probably going to win their group. They're ranked number six in all of Europe. But a team that seems to be on the downside a little bit the last couple of years that I've been watching seems to be Switzerland. They're ranked number 11. But I think that Northern Ireland will have at least a puncher's chance in their matches against them. Rounding out that group will be uh, number 36, we have ranked, UEFA ranked Bulgaria and number 48, Lithuania. Match number eight. This is a Tuesday match, and we're headed to Colombia, the category of Primera A, the number three league rated by CONMEBOL. That's the main association in South America. They get two Copa Libertadores group stage bursts. That's the South American Champions League. They get two more bursts into the second qualifying round, and then the next five teams in their league all get to go to the Copa Sudamericana, which is a secondary international tournament there, their version of the Europa League. This league is in its apertura stage, about two-thirds of the way through, and the top eight teams are all going to get to make the playoffs. That sets the stage for what was a number B versus number one matchup when I first scouted it, but not surprisingly, because there's a whole mess of teams that are all right near the top. It's going to be a great race. It is now number four instead of number B, Tolima, against number one, Atletico Nacional. Now, Atletico lead two different clubs by one point. They're only ahead of Tolima by two points, and I believe Tolima in turn is tied with two other clubs and points in the table. So you can see it's just jam-packed. Now, since we covered a match in this race and involving Tolima specifically last week, I thought this would be a great opportunity to see if we may, at long last, be able to win some pesos from this podcast. Out on the Thracian plains of Greece, we love to touch base most weeks with our prognosticator, Noob Stradamus. He of the magnificent flowing robes, timeless white hair and beard, and master of communicating with the great beyond for divining soccer scores. Why use your powers for good or evil when you can just cheat and try to make us money on soccer? Now, admittedly, if you've been listening to this cast for a while, you might know, he is over in this podcast history so far on even getting the winners right, I think, let alone the score. But we will never lose faith. Take it away, Noob Stradamus. So I think I figured out the problem with my previous score predictions going so awry. It's not me. It can never be me. It was the lotus leaves. Been doing those for 3,000 years easy. It was time to switch things up. The Colombian match regarding which you wish me to prognosticate granted me the perfect excuse to make a change. Um, coffee. Yes, it's Colombian coffee. And it's the only Colombian product I'm using. <coughs> Who's out there? I see you, looking in those shadows, whomever you are. I uh, drank some of the coffee, perhaps too much of the coffee? Uh, one never knows the strength one's getting, does one? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, vision time. There's my own good friend, 
Colombian actor and painter Carlos Sanchez. But you're dead. Dead, I say. Since 2018. Awesome spirit, I am struck to my core. You'd know him from his 40 years portraying Juan Valdez in Colombian coffee commercials. But I knew the real man from his days as a simple coffee picker in Antioquia before he turned to painting in Medellin in his famed acting. Whoa! Now we're in the ocean surfing, just like in the later commercials of the TV campaign in the 1990s. We're grabbing life by the beans, as you said. Yes! Yes! But that wave, too big, it will crush us! Ah! What is even happening? Dad, please explain what Noob Shiramis is saying. I am very confused. Uh, 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 the management... Uh, I don't want to explain this. Throw it to commercial! To make a single pound of his Colombian coffee, Juan Valdez must pick 2,000 coffee beans. Yet he still picks every one of those 2,000 beans by hand. The work is not easy. But there is no other way to pick only the beans that are perfectly ripe. So for Juan, there is no other way. After all, he's not growing the easiest coffee in the world. He's growing the richest. Wait. We're dry and soaring. How did we end up hang gliding? Another nod to the life bean grabbing commercials. I will grab them, Juan Valdez. I'm grabbing my beans. Another glider. How the fudge is your TV commercial co-star mule Conchita up here? Ah! Oh, oh. a prediction. Um, one, two, Atletico in honor of Medellin and Carlos Sanchez. Whee! Okay, well, that was uh, content. Thanks, as always, for checking in with us, Noobstradamus. Hope everything works out for you. Uh, well, one of the teams is from Medellin, so I guess we accidentally learned about a connection to that area with uh, the actor that played Juan Valdez. Outstanding. But I think the most important thing that we can take from this experience is don't do drugs. Oops, person is still here. Um, don't drink too much Colombian coffee. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Match number nine. This is a Wednesday match, and we're headed to Argentina for the Copa de la Liga Profesional, a match there. Now, bear with me. Things get a tiny bit complicated if you're not familiar with any of the goings-on in Argentina. I'll attempt to make things clear. This event, sort of a cup-style format, is an event that was started last year, 2020, as a replacement for the usual Super League play. The Super League being just... Uh, standard league format like you would see in the Premier League or anywhere else. The Copa de la Liga Profesional involves all the same teams. Now, the 2021 version of this event is already underway, but put that aside in your mind for the moment. This match we're going to talk about today is about finishing off the 2020 season. Now, for 2020, the league was divided into six groups. The top two of each of these groups of four got to move on to the Fase Campeón, the championship phase. The bottom two from each moved on to the Fase Complementación, which is uh, probably a uh, somewhat polite way of saying the uh, loser's bracket, if you will. 
Now, anyway, the Campione and Complementacion teams were then each divided into two groups. You had four total, two Campione groups, two Complementacion groups. This playoff match today features the loser of the final between the two Fase Campione groups. Presumably, I believe the winner of that final uh, gets a Copa Libertadores berth. And that team will face off against the winner of the final between the two Fase Complementacion groups. The winner of this playoff match gets a berth into the Copa Sudamericana. So maybe that's the most important thing. The winner is guaranteed a berth into the next Copa Sudamericana if they don't earn it a different way or get into the uh, Champions League through play in the upcoming soon-to-return Super League play in Argentina for 2021. Whew! All right. Your teams, Valencia Sarsfield versus Banfield, and they're playing it in a neutral site in San Juan. Valencia Sarsfield, uh, they are known as El Fortín, the fort or the little fort. Uh, they play in a suburb of Buenos Aires uh, called Lina, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. The suburb is kind of on the west-southwest edge of the entire metro area, probably about 50,000 people. A little bit of history on their side. They've won the Copa Libertadores, actually, all the way back in 1994. They last won a league title of any kind in 2012-13. Last year, during the shortened season, they finished number five in the overall aggregate table. They won the Complementacion Group B by beating Rosario Central in the final. And they've been on quite a roll, actually. They went 4-0-1 in the group play. Now, uh, in this phase, uh, they had the second-best offense, and they were only average or so on defense. Player to look out for, guy most likely to score, in my opinion, Christian Tarragona. He's a forward, homegrown there in Argentina on the scoring leaderboard. Uh, You would have to be a pretty serious Mexican fan to know his name for anywhere else, but he did play at least one season uh, for Atlanta, which plays in uh, the second division in Mexican professional football. On the other side, Banfield, they are known as El Taladro, the drill. Uh, They play in the greater Buenos Aires province, not really even in the uh, city proper, if you will. Uh, City of 250,000, it's about uh, 14, 15 miles south of the city, just to give some geographic perspective. The only time they have ever won a league title was the Apertura stage in 2009. Last year, they only finished number 17, so getting even a chance to qualify for any kind of international play is a big step up for them. How they got here, they won the Campeon Group B, but then uh, lost to Boca Juniors on penalties in the final. So Boca Juniors got what I presume was the Copa Libertadores slot. This team gets a chance at the Copa Sudamericana, and they're very good. Number one on offense, average on defense, just like uh, Vela Sarsfield. So we could be looking at quite a high-scoring affair coming here. Man to look for. Tied for number two in league scoring for the event is Giolano Galapo, another homegrown. He is a central midfielder and just 21 years old. Wouldn't surprise me to see him moving on either to uh, Europe or at the very least uh, to uh, maybe the Brazilian league. Uh, they've got another guy who's just as good, or they had one. Augustin Fontana was tied with him, but he got sent over to River Plate in February. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And this would be the last official, at least, match of the 10 to track. We still have our three super fun bonus matches to go. We don't believe in math here. 10 to track has 13 matches. It's just the way we roll. Try and stop us. You can't. It's our show. In any case, match number 10 takes us to the UEFA Women's Champions League. It's the quarterfinal round where they're playing two matches each, two-legged ties. This is the second leg or match of those two-legged ties. 
the match we've chosen here at Team Noob, VFL Wolfsburg from Germany's Frauen Bundesliga, taking on Chelsea FC Women from the FAWSL, Women's Super League in England. Chelsea won the first match 2-1, to one, and so now Wolfsburg have a chance to equalize on their own turf. The winner is probably going to get Bayern Munich. They just stomped all over uh, Sweden's uh, club, a really good club, uh, Rusengard, 3-0 in the first leg of their quarterfinal. First, VFL Wolfsburg. They are the She-Wolves. No real big surprise there. They are the second-ranked club in all of UEFA amongst the women, right behind Lyon from France, who have been, it seems like, number one forever, or at least, I think, uh, something like seven years. In any case, this club has been at the Champions League final three of the last five years, every single time losing to Lyon. They did win in consecutive seasons from 2012 to 14 the entire Champions League, so they've got some history on their side. This year, they're sitting in second place in the Frauen Bundesliga, second best offense and defense, to be honest, by a fair little bit behind Bayern Munich. They have really emerged as a power in that league uh, this year. This team qualified by winning the 2019-2020 Frauen Bundesliga season, however. And in this event, up until Chelsea in the first leg, they had yet to concede a single goal in this entire event. That was over two rounds and four matches. Just incredible. The offense... Best player, the one to look for probably, is tied for number three league score in Germany, Jeanette Jokobifi. She is Hungarian. She is a second striker, and I had to practice saying her name a bunch of times. She has been with this club for 13 years. Meanwhile, other side of the ball, Chelsea. Last year, they made the Champions League semifinal, and you'll never guess who they lost to. It was Lyon. And that was their best finish ever in their uh, young history in the Champions League. Uh, they are currently sitting in the top spot in the table in the FAWSL right now. They have the second best offense in their league and the number one defense. They're the only team there letting in less than one goal every other match. Just phenomenal. They were in first place last year as well when the season was abandoned, and uh, that's how they came to qualify for this year's Champions League. They have won three league titles in their young history, if you're including last year's abbreviated season. And the woman to look for, I believe, for the match on the event's scoring leaderboard is a homegrown forward named Bethany England. And now for my favorite part of the podcast, it's time for the first of our three bonus matches. Sort of. First, Thank you very much for those of you who voted on which qualifying matches would make the show. Twitter is the place you can always find me running those polls. Find me there to vote in them in future weeks or to just talk footy with me. I'll even send on hello messages to a person noob. She's eight and not old enough to have her own account yet in my thoughts. In any case, Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. Now, I have scoured every single top flight domestic league in the world looking for the matches that you've heard throughout the podcast and including those that qualify for possible inclusion in each of the soon-to-be-explained bonus matches. The first of the three every podcast has always been our... Take it away, person noob, with your homemade super dramatic echo sound effect, the... Route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. And this week, the first versus last place match that we were going to have for said route of the week was going to be Dragons versus Soba Map from the Benin Premier League. It was going to be a, gr a Group D match, number one versus last, but it got moved to this past Thursday, already been played. 
So we can't do that one, obviously. And the other two matches that qualified as first versus last are from leagues and in some cases were clubs that we've already covered recently. So we're just going to say that Team Noob got routed this week by the rescheduling and move on to our next match. Our next bonus match is one that I like to think truly sets this podcast apart. Most pods, including ours, tend to focus on good teams from various leagues. Sure, some particularly near season's ends will even discuss teams at or near the bottom of leagues that might be about to get relegated, kicked out, and dropped into lower divisions. But no other pod loves to shine the light on two teams every week that are perfectly middling and never get any love, or for that matter, any scorn, really. Teams perfectly equidistant from qualifying for international competitions or from getting relegated. Our theme song, with apologies to the late Prince. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) And the most meaningless match in the world. You voted for it. We're covering it with love. Luxembourg's National Division is the number 35-rated league in all of UEFA. Sits them right between Lithuania, who they just passed, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, the match, number 8, FC Progress, Niederkorn, taking on number 7, Racing, FC Union, Luxembourg. The league gets one Champions League first qualifying round berth, two Europa Conference League berths, that's the new upcoming tertiary European tournament, and four teams are going to get relegated. Normally not that many, but they didn't relegate anybody last year because of COVID, but they still promoted a couple teams like a lot of countries did. So they're going to shrink it back. In any case, that doesn't matter for these two teams, in a way, other than to their fans, they're meaningless because these fellas ain't going nowhere. They are tied in the table, so we get a little bit of drama with that. They are 15 points from third place, so ain't nobody getting to go to the Europa League via this league. And then, or between these two anyway. And they're just two points above the relegation line. Now, that might sound like they're in danger, and they are a little bit, but there's a lot of teams in and above the relegation zone that are all kind of bunched up in this area. And these two are the best of those, highest in the table. In the middle of it, in fact. And your team's Niederkorn. That is the name of a commune of about 8,000 within the third largest city in the country. Uh, 27,000 people there. Differdange, the name of that larger city. It's known for its steel production. The team, they went 1-1 one one in this last year's Europa League uh, out in the second round. Their best finish ever in the Europa League was the 2018-19 season when they made it to the third qualifying round. Don't think they've ever been to the Champions League. At least not in the modern area. They do have uh, era. They do have three league titles to their credit, but you've got to go all the way to back to 1980-81 season to find a time they hoisted that trophy. Last year, they did get to go to the Europa League because they finished number B in the league. So, meaningless now, meaningful last year. You're yin and you're yang, perhaps. They have tied for the most losses in the league, very interestingly. The seven wins, one draw is all, and then eight losses. 22 points in the table, 22 goals scored, 22 goals conceded. That kind of symmetry just feels like it matches the meaningless to me. I'm not sure why. Meaninglessness. They are tied for number eight on offense. They are tied for second best on defense in the league. But to be perfectly honest, more than in any other club I've seen, all the clubs are very close to each other defensively, at least as far as the statistics go. Man of the match to possibly look for, tied for number four in league scoring, is Riyad Habas. He is from France, and you have to really like your football Frenchified to know his name. He spent a lot of time uh, with Lille's second team and then several other non-League One sides. 
Meanwhile, Racing Union, uh, the club in its current form was founded in 2005. The clubs that formed, uh, that merged to form and obviously have much longer histories behind them. The club currently plays in the southern portion of Luxembourg City, the capital. Best domestic finish they've ever had. They were league runners-up in 2007-2008. That said, they do have some recent success on their side. They won the FA Cup in 2017-2018. Last year, they went number six. This year, they are 6-4 and 6 in the table. 22 points, of course. 22 goals for, 22 goals against. Perfect mirror images and meaninglessness are these two clubs. Uh, the number three leading scorer does play for this team. The guy to look out for is Andreas Buch of Germany. And now at last, dear New Bites, we have come to the end of our podcast road for real. The 13th match is at hand and appropriately numbered. So unlucky for the teams that end up here. Given that we don't care to finish on notes of happiness or joy with this show, but rather with those of wailing and gnashing of teeth. Nair but scorn for these two clubs in the last match. Listen about them and then shun them as they deserve. Your weekly matchup of one of the domestic top flights in the world's bottom two bottom feeders is your match of... Disappointed! Ooh, sh sends shivers down my spine every time I hear Kevin Sorbo's disdain for these teams. Thank you for your support, Hercules. We always appreciate it. Your match of Disappointed that you have voted on is a Saturday match. Actually, there was no vote for this one. This was the only league that had the bottom two teams facing off this week, at least at the time that I was scouting them. We're headed to Hong Kong, their Premier League, which founded uh, was founded in 2014, at least in its current form, which I believe for the first time is professional. Uh, naturally, as you might imagine, they have had uh, First Division League soccer long, long, long decades before this. The current one is rated number 23 in the AFC out of the 46 National Association. As such, they get one group stage berth for the Champions League and then two group stage berths for the Asian Cup, and two teams are going to get relegated. And as you might have figured out, that's where we're going to find these two teams occupying the entirety of the relegation zone. A little bit about the season. It appears to be a double round robin taking place. They're only about six to seven matches into the season, so there's still a fair amount of time for these teams to try to get themselves out of this uh, quagmire that they're in. Uh, about halfway through the season, they're going to split into championship and relegation rounds, uh, respectively. Your matchup, number seven and second to last place, not so Happy Valley versus last place Southern District. Uh, these teams are, uh, they just have four points at the table, each is all, and they're two points behind Resources Capital and uh, True Safety. Now, looking at the stats, to be honest, Resources Capital is probably the worst team in the league. But somehow, despite only having scored four goals, they've managed to win uh, two of their six or seven games. But they've got uh, by far the worst goal differential in the league. Uh, now, if any team is unfortunate enough to go on a bad streak and drop down into the relegation round for the top half of the standings, team to look for that one or both of these teams could pass would be uh, number three, Pegasus, because they can't score a lick at all. In any case, back to these two sad sacks. First, Happy Valley. They are in an area of two billion people in Singapore called Kowloon. Postseason history. They've only qualified for the Champions League once. That was back in 2000, and I don't know why. And yet somehow, appropriately for our discussion for today, they withdrew. Didn't even bother playing in it. 
More recently, uh, most recent international experience that qualified for the Asian Cup in 2007. Didn't finish in last place in their group. Way to go, guys. But you still didn't advance. Only got to third. Uh, in fact, this team has had a lot of trouble in its history. Uh, early, I believe, in the 2010s, they got went through a series of bad seasons and dropped all the way down to uh, the third, divi- third or fourth division. It was three straight relegations. Uh, but they did make it back in 2017-18, finally, to the top flight. And on top of all that, this is a club that has a bad history of match fixing. They've gotten busted for it multiple times, and as recently as 2014. Uh, Domestically, they do have uh, some goodness in them in the past, I suppose. Uh, They've got six league titles. Uh, Last one was in 2005-2006, though. Last year, they were below average, finished number six, and they are winless on the league season this year so far. Why? Because they have tied for the worst offense. Uh, The defense is sort of average, but not enough to make up for the lack of goal scoring. With little scoring they do get, as in he's the only guy, I think, with multiple goals on the team, Robert Odu from Nigeria. He is a striker, just 21 years old. With any luck, he'll uh, get away from this club eventually. Uh, He started his senior career in Nigeria, and I get that it's stars like soccer scars, but for some reason I love the fact that he started his senior career with a regional club called Starbase. Just funny to me. I don't need a reason. All right, heading to the other side of the ball, Southern District. They were founded in 2002. Uh, Southern is actually the name of one of the 18 districts in Hong Kong. It's an area of about 300,000 people. If it's familiar to you, maybe you read the travel magazines on airplanes or something. The east half of this province is uh, very semi-rural and has tons and tons of popular beaches. Who are they popular with? Well, there are several uh, expat communities there like uh, Repulse Bay, and it is one of the most expensive residential areas in the entire world. So if you like your teams uh, in nice and rich areas, as opposed to working class, this may not be your team, this team from Southern District. Their best ever league finish was uh, just number three, and they did that in 2015-16. Last year, they finished in fifth. This year, they somehow have managed to get one win, but they are just one, one, and four. Happy Valley's at least got a few draws. Average on offense, tied for the worst defense. They they let in, in fact, more than two goals per match. Just pitiful. Uh, tied for number one in the league in scoring, the only guy that they can really hang their hat on is a Brazilian, one of their foreign players, uh, Stefan Pariah. He's, I believe, 31 years old, a uh, veteran. And you would have to be a serious student of uh, European footy to recognize him. He did play one season back in 2015-16 in Europe with Olympic uh, Sarajevo. So, what have we learned? Well, that these two teams are terrible, and when family and friends come calling and they ask about you, Happy Valley and Southern District, all we do is give vague answers to these people, whether they're for church or work, it doesn't matter where, and then we change the subject. You are the black sheep of the Hong Kong footy family. Shame upon you and yours. Shame, shame, and more shame to the seventh generation. And that'll put a bow on episode 26. Thanks so much for finding us and tuning into the 10 to track weekly world match previews podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Perhaps even enough that you might consider telling some of your footy friends. We'd love to have more listeners. 
Also, if you happen to host a show or work with one, know that uh, we are each available to uh, guest if you would like. We know that oftentimes shows are looking for lots of those and sometimes can come up a little bit short. And uh, I'm happy to fill in whether it's for a, a serious session of World Footy Talk or if you uh, need me in something of more of a uh, comedic punching bag role, I can do either one. Soccer Noob USA is how to find me on Twitter. Also, be sure to find us there for... Uh, not only soccer talk, but to look for next week's bonus match polls, because you always get to say what we're covering. Until next time, as always, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.